Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello and welcome to season four of the Multifarious Man podcast. This is episode 401, Design of a Decade. As always, I am your host, Jay Vincent. Can you actually believe it is 2020? Not only is it a new year, but it is a new decade. Growing up, movies like Blade Runner, Back to the Future 2, TV shows like The Jetsons had us convinced that We'd have flying cars, and we'd either be working and living on the moon or Mars. Turns out, not so much. I mean, we do have powerful computers in the palm of our hands, hybrid, electric, and self-driving vehicles. Um, let's not forget about cyber shopping. I mean, nowadays, you can go and get anything you want um, from food or even a car and have it delivered to your home. So... Before I started recording today, you know, I had a whole plan about talking about all the fabulous things that happened in the 2010s or, you know, 2010 through 2019. But a funny thing happened on the way home or rather near the end of the day at work. So full disclosure, I am a diehard Yankee fan. Baseball is my favorite sport. Like literally, I will listen to preseason games or for baseball it's spring training i'll listen to those games starting in february and march um i'll read about them year round and then i really will either watch or listen to all of their games 162 regular season and however long the yankees last in the playoffs so what we find out today and this has been you know there's been rumors going around for a few years now that the houston astros who did win a championship in 2017 um, have been not only accused, but, you know, there's proof that they actually cheated. So Major League Baseball came down today and announced punishments for the team. So here's what the announcements were. Manager A.J. AJ Hinch was suspended for one year. GM Jeff Lunau, and forgive me if I pronounce it wrong, was suspended for a year. Former assistant um, GM Brandon Taubom, or Taubman was suspended for a year. The team also has to forfeit their first and second round draft picks for the next two years. And also they're fined $5 million. Now that's the maximum that under the MLB constitution they can be filed. So immediately following that, the owner of the Houston Astros actually fired um, their manager, A.J. Hinch, and their general manager. So clean slate, 
bye bye. Doesn't matter if you have a year suspension, you're fired. You're not on the team anymore. So for me as a baseball fan, as a team, my New York Yankees lost to the Houston Astros in 2017 on their way to winning a World Series title. Also, um, Dodger fans, Dodgers, you know, made it to the World Series and they lost to the Houston Astros. Now, can you imagine Dodger fans out there not only frustrated that they lost, but the fact that it's now proven that the team cheated on top of that? And again, full disclosure, I am a diehard Yankee fan. So our number one rival is the Boston Red Sox. Alex Cora, who was became the manager for the Boston Red Sox in 2018 and led them to a World Series title, was the bench coach for the Houston Astros in 2017. And from everything that's being reported through news, sports, um, ESPN, CBS, all the different sports, Sports Illustrated, Alex Cora was the main you know, the main person on the coaching staff that was behind it. Now, this was a sophisticated um, scheme to steal signs from the other teams. Long story short, they set up cameras, they had monitors, and then once they figured out what the signs were, actual members of the team, now these are professional players, you know, some of the best players in the game, and I won't get into the players, but the fact is players were involved they cooperated with some of the coaching staff to cheat. Now, say what you want, and people want to say, well, all right, it's not the same as performance-enhancing drugs. I beg to differ. It's not the same as, say, a Pete Rose who was banned for life for gambling in baseball. Again, I beg to to differ. It comes down to integrity. Now, for anyone out there that's going to say, all right, my favorite baseball player, whether it's Alex Correa Um, or Springer or some of the players on that team, I say, again, it comes down to integrity because either you knew the cheating was going on and you participated, which, you know, is, again, is cheating, or you knew the cheating was going on and you did nothing about it, didn't say anything about it, condoned it. And I'm sorry, that's the same as um, participating in the actual cheating because if you know someone in your organization, on your team, is doing something that they shouldn't do to get a competitive advantage, and you don't say anything, and you kind of just turn a blind eye, I have a problem with that. Now, you know, say what you will about, you know, Roger Clemens, you know, you know, and again, allegedly using performance-enhancing drugs. Um, Alex Rodriguez, again, both of these players have played for the Yankees, so I am definitely biased, um, but if you're saying, okay, they cheated, got a competitive advantage, I mean, they still had to go out there and perform, but I dare someone to get on the, you know, on sports stories and say, no, it's not the same. Performance enhancing drugs is a different type of cheating. Integrity is integrity. If you're going to say, these are the rules, you have to follow these rules, and if you break these rules, you know, you're cheating, what's the difference? So, I'm not going to get on a big soapbox, I mean, because I probably wore it out from standing on it talking about this. But again, imagine the fans of the teams that lost to it. Now, for the Boston Red Sox organization, I have no love for the organization. I'm happy when the team loses. But as a fan of baseball, now 
what is their team going to do? Because Houston, you know, immediately the owner fired um, the managers that and the general manager that were basically in charge at the time this happened, you know. So now with Boston, if Alex Cora really was uh, a main coach that was involved in this cheating and from everything we've heard and everything we've seen and, you know, Rob Manfred, um, the commissioner of baseball, has been very deliberate with this. He was involved. So the question is, as the current coach, is he going to be suspended the same as A.J. Hinch was, um, who was the manager at the time? Um, if so, is it going to be for a year? Is it going to be for a different um, time frame? Who knows? If it is, what do the Boston Red Sox do? So are they going to, you know, we're about to have spring training begin. So pitchers and catchers in baseball um, are actually going to start to arrive in February. So it's not too far away. This is the time of year when the manager is a big part of getting the roster together. Also, you have players going through arbitration. You, you know, you're signing free agents. So again, this is when the actual structure of your team is going to be put together for the next season. So when is Boston going to find out what's going to happen to their coach? Are they going to be proactive and either suspend him or fire him now as opposed to waiting to find something like that? But either way, it's a major black eye to baseball. Um, say what you want about um, the steroid error in the 80s and 90s. Um, say what you want. Um, I personally say this is closer to the Black Sox scandals in 1919 with the um, – Chicago White Sox, um, where, you know, they actually conspired to throw actual games. So to actual lose games for money. So again, it comes down to the integrity of the game and whether it's sports, life, business, doesn't matter. Integrity is everything. So I'm sorry if you knew about it and you didn't do anything about it. That's an embarrassment to the game. The city of Houston certainly doesn't deserve this because they come out to support their team. And anybody that's on the team now that wasn't a part of this, well, people are always going to say, ah, you cheated. You know, your your World Series should have an asterisk. It's tainted. But it's to be seen. Um, it's just a real disappointment. And um, anytime integrity and cheating come into play, it's it's just hard to stomach. I mean, you want to teach our kids, um, you want society to behave a certain way, and then something like this happens. Yeah, it's a game, but, you know, if someone's going to cheat at a game um, and there's a lot of money to be made in baseball, then what else are they going to cheat at? That's my story for the day. Um, didn't want to get on a rant, but, again, baseball is my favorite sport, and it's kind of hard not to say something. That being said, um, you know, crazy start to season four one. Now back to the normal, um, sched- normally scheduled programming for the Multifarious Man podcast. Um, so last year, for anyone that did listen to the show, um, we changed things up a little bit. You know, had a couple of regular shows, but then um, through um, a friendship I have with a gentleman, um, Beeman Kendall who um, we used to work together and, you know, we became friends at work and we continue to be friends. He started uh, a company called um, a BK thing called Beloved. And it's all about positivity, positive images, um, you know, basically to uplift the community, you know, basically out of his own pocket. um, This is what he wanted to do. Give back. You know, he's 
was raised well. Um, he's, you know, he, you know, has a good job in the finance industry, but he wanted to put his, you know, feet to the road, you know, basically talk it and walk it. So what we did in spring of last year, winter, spring, we actually did a series of live shows downtown Jacksonville, Florida, um, at a, a local deli. We actually came out, put on a live show of the Multifarious Man podcast, interview live topics. Um, and at one point we were joined by um, a local activist, um, Christina Kittle. Um, and we talked about politics. We talked about different things in the community to make things better. Um, we talked about the upcoming election at that time for the mayor of Jacksonville, city council. Um, and, you know, the thought is this year um, I plan on continuing to do the same thing, whether it's live pop-up shows, um, call-in interviews um, with people I've um, spoke to in the past or people here in the local community in Jacksonville. Um, so it's not just me talking about the things I love in music, films, books, TV, those things also, but some current topics, current events, um, some politics, not much, because I don't want to really turn people off, but I think where all of the art um, intersects with community, giving back, um, community involvement, things like that, I think that's a positive thing. So you really don't even, you know, whatever side of the spectrum you're on, Democrat, Democrat, Republican, doesn't matter who you support. I think there's a lot of things that people have in common, and a lot of that has to do with community, giving back, and finding ways to improve everyone's um, life. So that being said, be on the lookout um, this season um, for interviews with local artists, um, you know, local people that give back to the community, churches, um, nonprofit organizations, whatever I can do to, you know, have people get their voice heard and, you know, just bring um, some attention to different things in our local community that should be able to be brought to light, you know, positive things. Um, you don't want it to be all negative, but um, I think people should get spotlight where they're doing good for their community. Um, that's it. Um, so that being said, um, just sit back, relax, and join me for a look back at the last 10 years of music, movies, TV, books, and technology. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we'll be back right after this break. Things I want to say that never been told. Dina Sinatra to Drake and Pharrell. When I'm listening to this week, you can never tell. 
Bogey and Bacall, even Mel Street. The devil wears product, even the big sleep. It doesn't matter where you stand. I'm the multifarious man. All right, I am back again. This is the Multifarious Man podcast, episode 401, and I am your host, Jay Benson. So, 2010 to 2020. Wow. A lot has happened in that time. Um, The way that we consume music, books, um, the way we see television, you know, everything from small screens to big screen. um, There's been a lot of changes in how we're able to, you know, the way that we actually interact with technology. Um, if you think about it, you know, 2010, you know, and I probably need to look this up, but, you know, iPad, iPhone, iPhone is just over 10 years old. I mean, you know, it, it passed that mark, um, if not last year, a couple of years ago. So if you think about it, um, how we interacted with things from music, CDs, films, DVDs were still the way, um, something like Netflix. So if you want to talk about streaming wars, Netflix was a DVD by mail um, company. Um, And it basically was the alternative to Blockbuster. Blockbuster or your local video store, you went, you got your, you know, eventually in the beginning it was, you know, videotape, VHS, you know, for the old heads. Um, then it moved to DVD, but what it was, you rented a movie for a day or two, and then if you returned it um, late, you had crazy fees. So along comes Netflix, and for a monthly fee, it was kind of like all you can eat, you know, however many, and you had different plans. You can have one, two, three, I think even four DVDs out of the, at a time, but there was no there were no late fees. So you got a movie, you liked it, a series, whatever. You held on to it as long as you wanted to. And then when you were done, you just popped it in the mail. Eventually, um, you know, Netflix, I guess they saw the writing on the wall because around 2012, as um, Internet access became faster, faster speeds, um, you now were having phones with unlimited data. So in 2010, Netflix actually switched over to streaming Um, and then eventually in 2012 they actually started creating their own content initially it was reruns tv shows things that you hadn't saw in years movies um, that they can purchase um, a licensing agreement to show so now in the comfort of your home you were now watching these shows initially on your computer Um, eventually the technology was put into DVD players, set-top boxes, all type of things. So now people were consuming all of this, you know, TV shows, movies, shows people hadn't seen for years were now popular again. Um, If you hadn't seen a show, you know, when it was first run, like take, for example, Friends or The Office, extremely popular um, on streaming services because now people were able to, you know, what they call binge watching. Now you could watch a whole series, eight years of a show in a couple of months. You didn't have to wait around to see something. That really kicked it off. And as more people moved to broadband, 
you had faster cable modems, cable internet access. Well, now you just needed content to fill those eyes. So now there was the competition for who you were going to get that content from. Now, years ago, cable companies were always worried. You know, people kept saying, well, why am I paying this amount for all these channels? And I really only want this number of channels. So the cable companies consistently fought from a la carte pricing where you could just say, hey, I just like these 10 channels. Just charge me for this. I don't want all that extra garbage. Well, Netflix kind of said, hey, for this low fee, you can have the DVD plan, but then we introduced this streaming plan. And eventually, you know, I don't even know anyone that even does the DVD plan anymore because streaming now on phones, on things like the iPad, which wasn't around in 2010, um, you know, Samsung tablets, all of these different phones, data plans, unlimited as and as you had access to bigger and better devices, now suddenly everyone was watching shows, movies, TV, you know, TV programs on their phones, on their tablets. They weren't just sitting in front of their television. That would kind of come along later where TVs, smart TVs, you know, set-top boxes like your Roku's of the world where you had all of these apps, which again, Thank you, Apple, for, you know, having the the iPhone and the whole app store concept. So now everyone has all these apps. So with streaming services, of course, Netflix was the king for a while. And, you know, they really didn't have competition in terms of all the comment, the content that they had. So on top of Netflix, you had Hulu. Um, which also started streaming around 2010. Now, this was a joint venture um, owned by NBC Universal and News Corp, which is basically Fox and later on Disney. Um, and they would have a lot of their, you know, they had a whole back catalog of shows that they produced over the years that now they could actually stream. And it was originally um, just on your PC, it was free. And then eventually they started adding. Um, a subscription service so you could have commercial free um, and then you know so now you have Hulu Amazon Prime now Amazon was known for shipping two-day shipping that was their whole thing they introduced Prime so for a certain fee each year you had free two-day shipping for everything so you shopped a lot which you know these days most people do you know it was beneficial so, well, how do you distinguish yourself from other people? Well, Amazon got into the business of offering content, initially just video, um, and then eventually they got into actually creating their own content also. So now here's an added benefit to have people interested in using their Prime services like, hey, not only if you sign up for Prime, we'll give you all these movies and TV shows to go along with your, your free shipment which I think is amazing. And it's, you know, once again, where we were trying to get away from cable companies and direct TVs of the world where you were paying, you know, these crazy prices for just limited things. Now it kind of went full circle where now you were doing the same thing where you were nickel and diming your way to all these different services to have access to the different things that you want to use. So um, about a year ago, um, no, it's actually been longer now, goodness, about five, six years ago, 
CBS All Access um, came out. Now, CBS is owned by Viacom. Again, they had a big back catalog. Like, they own all of the Star Trek series. Um, So, now here, with all of their um, produced content, you introduce CBS All Access. Again, another service, another fee, but, you know, everyone was trying to distinguish themselves. Um, So, the big thing that... you kind of has driven the streaming wars is content you know who is gonna have the biggest movies the biggest tv shows so not only just the stuff that's on reruns but also it's like all right we're gonna produce our own content we're gonna try to be like the hbo's of the world where we're gonna have the best shows um, the best movies and you're going to want to subscribe to our service so you can have access to these things that you're not going to get anywhere else. So that's where Netflix kind of went out and started investing immediately. And you ended up with shows like House of Cards, um, Orange is the New Black, um, Stranger Things, um, and more recently, The Witcher. You know, you also had movies, you know, movie events like Bird Box, um, which was a you know a big major streaming win last year. It may have been two years now, but now people, major stars, um, major directors were actually being paid to produce content content for streaming services. So you didn't have to go to the movie theaters to see these things. Now you could actually see them in the comfort of your home with a service that you were already using. So you know. Netflix was the king for a while. Hulu started coming out with their own original content shows like um, Castle Rock and The Handmaid's Tale. Um, Amazon has shows like Man in the High Castle, Mozart in the Jungle, um, Miss Maisel, um, which has won awards. Um, Also, more recently, they actually resurrected um, a show that was on sci-fi. Um, called The Expanse. I mean, that's another thing I, you know, forgot to mention in the beginning. That was another thing that um, the streaming services like Netflix actually were able to do. Shows that were on network television or on, you know, on free cable. Uh, let's say not, you know, not the HBOs of the world, but like the TBSs, TNTs of the world, where shows were not being renewed for whatever reason, whether it was cost of um, production, um you know, or just low ratings. Well, now someone like a Netflix or a Hulu or an Amazon could come in, pick up a show, pick up their back catalog and produce new shows, um, you know, usually at a cheaper price, whether they moved it to a new location or, well, they would just open up their pockets um, because it was for them, it was more important to get the show um, than to, um, You know, whatever the money they were going to spend, it was going to be worth it because here you had a prestige show that you could say, again, as you're trying to get more subscribers and keep subscribers, that's where, you know, the money was going to be. So fast forward to 2019, and that's when things really are ramping up. So um, at the end of 2019, Disney who through the course of the 2010s basically became the king of all media um, through not only through their Marvel, um, you know, the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, all things Iron Man, all things the Avengers, you know, billion dollar movie franchises, 
also, you know, Disney is the company that brought, brought Lucas um, films from George Lucas. So they actually started the Star Wars franchise again, new movies, new episodes. Um, but they also came up with a little service called Disney Plus. Now, Disney has such an extensive back catalog of movies that they've produced over the years, not just cartoons, TV shows, movies, you know, things like Hervey the Love Bug, things you haven't thought about in years, Parent Trap. Um, so it's not just the cartoons, the Lion Kings of the world, of which Disney has recently been doing live action remakes of things like Aladdin and Lion King and Jungle Book. So now Disney comes to the table um, and they're the 800 pound gorilla. So Netflix, you know, has been eating well for years. And here comes along Disney Plus with their extensive back catalog, but also new content. You know, they were the ones to be able to finally crack the nut of finally getting Nerd That I Am, a Star Wars TV show, weekly Star Wars TV show. Didn't have to wait years wasn't just a cartoon. Now, mind you, Rebels, Clone Wars, great. Um, but here you had the Mandalorian. Unbelievable. Came out of the blue. Um, amazing, amazing. And, you know, I want to point out that John Favreau, who actually was the creator of the Mandalorian, um, doesn't get enough credit as being the creator. I don't care what anybody says. There's a name you hear, Kevin Feige, who's done a lot for the MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universe. But it would not be what it is today without John Favreau as the director of Iron Man, the first Iron Man. You you may know him on screen as um, Happy. Um, you know he's um, Tony Stark's um, bodyguard slash driver. Um, so you've seen him on screen over the years, but he does not get enough credit as being the director of the first big MCU movie. So all these years later, um, Marvel and Disney is still going. Oh, also, so on top of Disney Plus, Marvel also bought Fox Studios. So the whole back catalog of Fox. So this is everything, um, everything that's goes along with that so that includes all of the x-men so for all the fans out there that were upset over the years that um, you didn't have your x-men in the marvel cinematic universe because in the comics over the years the x-men the avengers they've always been intertwined so now they're together under one roof so you know what's going to come next i mean i think the sky's the limit so for those of us nerds out there that have you know always wanted something whether it's fantasy shows sci-fi shows now we have an abundance um on all different tv platforms so not to be undone speaking of streaming also this fall apple came out with their apple tv um which i can't think of the name is i really am not sure who has it um but um, all from what I hear shows like C, which stars um, Jason Moma and um, The Morning Show, which stars Jennifer Aniston, um, seem to be getting, you know, good reviews. But again, it just comes down to new, fresh content. Um, and it seems like these days some of the best 
um, stories, writing, acting is actually happening on television, which is not traditional television anymore. Um, it's cable, it's streaming services, it's the HBOs of the world, and of course, you know, traditional um, primetime television. So that's not the end of the streaming wars because in this new decade, in the first year of the new decade, um, HBO Max will be joining the fray and also Peacock, which is from NBC Universal. So again, just when, you know, as a consumer, we were getting away from having to spend all this money for all these channels through your cable service. Now on the back end, we're back. So we're kind of getting a la carte um, and we're probably going to end up spending the same as we did um, through our, just our cable company. But now we're just giving our cable company money for high speed Internet access and we're giving all the content providers um, our hard-earned dollars um, for their streaming services. But it hasn't been disappointed. There's a lot of good quality. Some of the best stuff, some of the best writers, some of the best creators are getting opportunities where we, because you have so many different services and so many different opportunities, now people that maybe years ago wouldn't have been able to crack through, whether it is on um, traditional um, premium cable or through um, your typical um, primetime or your network television stations, your CBS, you know, your ABC of the world, NBC. Now with so many different outlets, a lot of content creators um, are having an opportunity um, to shine. So I think it's a good time for people and art and just looking forward really to the next decade you know, to see what happens next, where as the 2010s went along, we thought things like 3D TV, some of the, the gimmicks, curved TVs, we thought that was going to be where it was at, but it seems like more people are watching more TV and more content on small devices um, when it just goes to show you is if you have quality, um, people will follow. So it's not always about the tricks. It's not always about the technology. But if you give something people something good to latch on to, they'll come back. Um, that's really it for the streaming um, wars. I'm kind of talking about video. We'll take a short break. Um, when I come back, talk a little bit um, about music and a few other things that have happened in the last decade. Um, again, this is the Multifarious Man podcast. I'm Jay Vincent, and we will be back shortly. <laughs> back from that short back, short break again this is the multivirus man podcast episode 401 and i am your host jay vincent so 2010 to 2020 another decade um well in this past decade um music has changed dramatically so used to be um at the beginning of the decade yeah sure Physical musical sales continued to decline 
while with digital sales starting to grow, actually in leaps and bounds. So by the end of the decade, streaming music was king, with people preferring to have access to millions of songs on demand. Spotify is still the worldwide king, um, but in only five years, Apple Music has become number two on the streaming mountain. Now, many decades ago, um, <laughs> decades, <laughs> I don't know where that um, pronunciation came from, um, before the Beatles um, hit the scene in the 60s, singles were it. That was how musicians sold music. That's how they made their name. It, it was not um, about long-form content. It was two minutes, three-minute singles. That was it. Days of Elvis, singles. You know, all of your hit singers back in the day, that's what it was. So then, the you know, the Beatles came across the scene, and it became about the album. So now... Um, musicians were telling whole stories. People were buying albums. You know, you know. You think about Pink Floyd and The Wall. You think about you know The Who and Tommy. You think about these stories. You know, speaking of the Beatles, you talk about the White Album, um, um, Sergeant Pepper. Um, you look at musicians, and it was all about long-form content they were telling a story you, you know. judy was boring hello then judy discovered chumbacasino.com it's my little escape now judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy judy the chumba life is for everybody so go to chumbacasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, it wasn't just singles. It was the whole concept album, you know, telling a whole story, having a whole concept behind it. But yes, you still had, you know, hit singles for radio. You know, you had those things that were driving sales. But when people came to see him in concerts, it was, you know, all about the whole story, the B-sides, things along that line. So nowadays... It's come full circle, you know, some of the, you know, the, the top musicians, artists, you know, all different genres, um, it's back to singles, EPs, you know, I heard in um, an interview probably a couple of weeks ago, um, and it might have been on CBS this morning, um, or it's either Saturday or Sunday, um, and the interview was talking to Ringo Starr, you know, of course, Ringo Starr, you know, was one of the members of the Fab Four. And he was releasing, a, I think he just released another album. Um, and what he was saying is, you know, not only does he do all of his recording in his own home, um, the technology has made that possible, but he's saying his next project, you know, EP, so, you know, extended play, um, you know, that is going to be what he's going to be doing next. So no more full length albums. It'll be two or three songs. Um, you know, that's kind of like, you know, in the heyday of hip hop, you know, you had, you know, you know, people like Lil Wayne, it was their mixtapes, Drake, you know, that's how his claim to fame was. And now, you know, all these years later, he's, you know, the top streaming star of all time um, because people consume music differently, just like with, um, video streaming, music streaming, you know, is, you know, the way to go. People are no longer um, buying whole albums. They're actually buying singles 
um, or not even buying singles anymore. It's they're listening to singles, but it's all streaming, all you consume. You pay one fee and you listen to whatever songs you want there on that service. And it's just a matter of preference between which service you want to use, whether it's Spotify, whether it's Apple Music, um, Google Play, um, also Amazon Prime Music, which is part of their Prime package. Um, and then they also have, you know, Prime Music. Um, and then later on, um, Jay-Z's um, service um, title. So no longer are people buying, you know, you're not buying whole albums. You have streaming. And again, this is a part of the way technology has improved over the years because people have these, you know, amazing computers in their hands. They're, um, they're smartphones that can do everything, but also you have these data plans um, with your um, cell phone companies where you have unlimited data. So now if you have a music plan with unlimited data, you can listen to whatever song you want, whenever you want, on whatever device you want. So, you know, there's not a need or a desire for people to really own anything anymore because what are you going to play it on? Um, your cars aren't coming with CD players anymore. They're just coming with um, stereos that connect to your smartphone. So you're either connecting through Bluetooth or you through USB. Um, you have Apple, you have CarPlay, you have, you know, which is Apple, you have Google Play. Um, so now your music's in the palm of your hands. Listen to what you want, when you want. You, you basically have your own personalized radio station. So there's not a need to own physical content. So where the money is being made. So artists are making their money on tour, but they're not making, you know, the same money that they were in physical sales. Um, but fortunately, you know, the industry has continued to evolve. So, you know, you know, folks like um, Billboard and the likes where they actually track how many sales um, that an artist has, they've actually changed the formula to actually include streaming. So no, they're not making the same money, but you know they're trying to figure out the equivalent um, of what like they did, you know, back in the day for radio airplay, where they were making a certain you know percentage or a certain amount each time their song was played. Well, now they're trying to refine the formula so that artists are being compensated for their content. And of course, you know, the artists will continue to fight with the streaming services to ensure that they are being compensated properly. So as all these companies are getting these subscriptions and they have the money coming in each month that the artists, which has the content that people want to listen to the most are actually being um, compensated properly. But that's a story for another episode. Um, but, What's crazy and I'm finding is as the decade came to an end, you're hearing that vinyl records are making a comeback. So people aren't buying CDs. Um, and what it is is so when you have streaming music and it just really comes down to technology, um, you if you're a data provider, if you're a streaming service, you know, if you're a self, whoever you are, you want to try to find the way to get the most amount of data using the smallest um, amount of data packets. So it really comes down to the, you know, if you think about if you're using your um, water at home and, you know, you pay a water bill, the more you run that faucet, the more you're going to have to pay. So streaming music is kind of the same way. Data um, has a cost. So imagine if you could have the same 
um, music or what they say, if you can't hear the difference, and this is where MP3 became kind of the big um, encoding, um, you know, MP3 is a file type. And what it is is a way to take music and using fancy algorithms, algorithms um, and science <laughs> and math to compress it um, so that you can transmit it as, as a small, um, smaller file size. Uh, which again, smaller file size, less data, um, you can transmit more. So, you know, more bang for your buck. So with the file size changes, you know, when you compress something, you make something smaller and smaller, um, it's not going to sound the same. As you, you know, you can try to use technology to take that music and make it sound the same way. But the truth of the matter is, if, you know, you plug in some headphones and you're listening to an MP3, and then you do the same thing and you're listening to an actual vinyl record, it will not sound the same. Um, it, it just doesn't. You know, just like if you're hearing a live show, it's not going to sound the same as, you know, what you hear on, you know, on the record listener. So what it comes down to is more and more people, and I don't know if it's, a, you know, the older crowd or even the younger crowd, but it seems vinyl is not going to be where it was years ago before DV, before CDs came along and, you know, knocked it out. But um, it's I'm glad to hear that vinyl music is making a comeback because there's a certain sound of, um, and it's just, you know, maybe it's just that tactile connection between taking, you know, a record out of um, its sleeve, put it on your record player, turning it on, putting that needle, hearing that that crackling sound before the music kicks in um, and, you know, just that feeling and that sound. So I think it's a good thing. Um, I have some vinyl music myself. You can always find it in, you know, your thrift shops, some of your music stores, but um, musicians are actually re-releasing, you know, some of their albums um, that may not have been released initially on vinyl in the past 10 years and they're actually re-releasing um um, certain music content and people are buying it so I think it's a good thing um, also um, sticking on the music um, a couple of big things or really three big things happened in the 2010s so hip-hop which you know basically has come a long way from you know the South Bronx in the late 70s um, corner parties DJ and you know beatboxing you know breakdancing so before the end of the decade, you had Jay-Z, um, Dr. Dre, and also um, Sean Combs. I'm still going to call him Sean Combs, even though he's going through Puff Daddy, PD, all that stuff. So here are these three individuals that started out in hip-hop, became media moguls, and joined the Billionaire Club. Now, you know, don't quote me on the puffy side of it, but definitely Jay-Z and Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre, through his affiliation, um, with um, headphones, Beats by Dre. You know, imagine, you know, here is Dr. Dre from N.W.A., you know, bringing along Snoop Dogg and Eminem and 50 Cent. Um, but because of his attention to detail and sound, um, you know, basically, you know, was an investor in a headphone company, which later on Apple bought out. Um, and through that affiliation, he became a billionaire. Um, Jay-Z, through his um, music catalog, clothing lines, 
um, and wines and spirits. I think he, I can't remember which, um, which type of, um, whether it's vodka or whatever it is. Um, but either way, you know, from where they all started to where they are now, um, hip hop is not going away and, you know, there's a lot of money to be made and, you know, and then special mention to someone like 50 cent, um, who not only has invested wisely in beverage companies, but also, um, has been a major player in producing, um, actual TV shows. Um, so he's been quite successful in that, um, vein. Um, really no stopping it with that, but, you know, music is, you know, not just one thing anymore. Um, but people still go to concerts. Um, but now the way you consume music as a whole has changed in the past decade. Um, that's really all I have to say about that. Suddenly I'm, (laughs) I'm Forrest Gump. Um, when we get back, um, just talk about a few more things in terms of um, book technology, which has come a long way, um, and just kind of looking forward to some of the things that I'll be talking about this season, but immediately um, some of the shows I'm geeking out about. Um, that's it, and I will be back momentarily. Again, this is the Multifarious Man podcast, and I am your host, Jay Vincent. All right, I am back again. This is the Multifarious Man Podcast, episode 401. So, you know, as we close out the decade and kind of close out the show, um, um, I want to say probably around, I don't know, probably 2003, 2004, um, when um, e-readers were starting to take off. You know, I think I've probably had about three different kinds. I think I had a Sony e-reader. I had something called a rocket book at one point. Basically, because I love reading, I love books, um, to have something where I could actually carry hundreds of books in the palm of my hand, um, you know, and in some cases, and, you know, initially they cost the same as actual physical books, but, for me, it was the amazing part of the technology. You didn't have to read with a nightlight. Um, they had their own um, light source built in, and you had access to all these books at any time that you wanted to read. And eventually, you know, they made deals with um, libraries to, you know, be able to have digital books that you could read. So fast forward years later, um, and you know, I'm not sure who else makes um, e-readers, but um, Kindle by Amazon, um, the technology has changed so much from what I can say when I first had one all those years ago, I strain, you know, it wasn't, you know, the text, you know, they tried to make the text look as close as it could, um, to reading, you know, on paper, but it wasn't the same. And, you know, you didn't want to read for long periods of time, but now, um, the Kindles have gotten so sophisticated, you know, they have a paperwhite edition that it really does look like, 
you're looking at a piece of paper. Um, the recreation is spot on. Um, not only do they have long battery life, they can hold a lot of information. You know, they connect to the Internet, you know, through Wi-Fi now, where in the beginning they had special modems built in. Um, but basically you carry thousands of um, books in the palm of your hand. You can have services like Prime Reading, where it's unlimited number of books. Um, but, you know, there's so many different services and, you know, you know, not to steer away from your library because all of your local libraries now um, allow you to basically take out a digital copy of the book, same like you would with a physical, except you don't go to the library, you go through their website. Um, and it's the greatest thing when, you know, you have it for two weeks and you don't have to take it back. It just, the license just won't let you open the book anymore after two weeks. So it's actually pretty neat. Um, and if you like reading, kids like reading, um, they don't like having, you know, something physical in their hand and they don't want to use their cell phone or the tablet. It's a great way to go. Um, I definitely can say the prices, you know, you can always find a good deal. Definitely worth it. Um, and if you sign up for different newsletters and different free um, book sites, um, BookBub, I think is one of them. Um, you get emails every day and a lot of time you'll, you know, find links to free books. Yeah. Usually it's trying to get, you know, they're trying to get you to buy that first one, get that first dose. So then you'll, you'll buy the other books in a series. But again, you have access to so many different authors, self-published, small published, Paul publishers, all the big, um, publishers, all the, you know, well-named, named authors, um, it's just a good time to be a consumer of books. So, you know, even though people um, listen to a lot of music, watch a lot of TV and movies, um, books aren't going to go away. Um, and it's a really good time to be a consumer because you literally have the world of information at your fingertips. Um, that's really it. Um, I was going to talk about um, shows that I'm watching right now, but I think I've kind of... Um, stuffed a lot into this premiere episode um so i'll save some of that for future episodes you know some reviews on some books i'm reading some shows i'm really into right now and i definitely want to recommend again i'll say the mandalorian it's amazing um the witcher is also very good um so if you have access to these different services um oh and you know and not to leave amazon prime out and hulu but amazon prime the expanse um, highly recommend it. Um, also based on a series of books, um, which I also recommend reading also. Um, and then um, on Hulu, there's just a lot of good content. Um, been going back watching old series like Elementary, which is a modern take on um, Sherlock Holmes. So something to recommend also on there now is Firefly, one of the best sci-fi shows ever. Um, and Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel. Um, so there's a lot out there. Um, and if you have some or all of these, I'm sure you can, you know, take advantage of it. Oh, almost forgot. Um, Roku. <laughs> um, Roku devices in my house um, are king. Um, between, you know, my wife and my kids, we, sh you know, we have them connected to every television um, and it actually, you know, where initially you thought you'd do less together, where it's not like back in the days where you had appointment television and you sat around and you knew, 
you know, every week at a certain time, the family would sit around and watch a show because, you know, you, you know, you weren't recording it. There was no DVR. There was no on demand. But now it's the same. But, you know, we kind of watch shows together, um, try new things. You're willing to try new things. And it actually has, you know, created some interesting family time. Um, where we're laughing, joking, playing, you know, inside jokes about the silly shows that we're watching as a family. Um, so that to be said, you know, they, you know, they used to call it the boob to rat your brain. No, I think if, if as long as, as a family, you know, you have controls in place, make sure you know what your children are watching. Um, but have open dialogue, um, watch the shows with them, you know, you know, some of the things that you thought were tailored for kids, hey, you know, you may enjoy also. I'm, you know, I'm one that's never shied away from a, a SpongeBob or a Teen Titan Go, even though I prefer the original Teen Titans, but I won't get into that. Um, but, you know, it's have an open dialogue with your kids. Know what they're watching um, because, you know, they have access to so much. Take an interest in what they're watching what they're listening to you know you'd be surprised you know sure they're not going to think you're any cooler they're still going to think you're lame but you know but they'll enjoy bringing you along for a ride and it gives you something else to have a conversation about so that's my little um um, public service announcement you know that's the word from officer bird um that's his tip for the day um the more you know um Knowing is half the battle. I can go on and on and on. But that's it for the premiere episode of season four of the Multifarious Man podcast. Again, um, you can follow me um, on Twitter and Instagram at Multifarious Man um, and also on Facebook. Um, if you have comments or suggestions for future episodes, please definitely um, you can send an email to multifarious.man.podcast at gmail.com. Of course, also um, follow the show on Spreaker, on Spotify, on iTunes, any place that you will find podcasts. And definitely please leave reviews. It definitely does um, help. Um, I definitely will read the comments um, and it goes a long way um, to help me know if I'm succeeding it. You know, if you like what you're hearing, if you, you know, if you're interested in something else, um, but definitely let me know. Feedback is definitely important. Again, this is Jay Vincent, Multifarious Man Podcast, and I'm out. And very greatly diverse and manifold All the things I want to say that never been told Demon Sinatra to Drake and Pharrell What I'm listening to this week, you can never tell Bogey and Bacall, even Meryl Streep The devil wears product, even the big sleep It doesn't matter where you stand I'm the multifarious man Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.